you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36. This morning we'll be looking at Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 and 27. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 and 27. The date was March of 1967. Philip Blyberg is dying. 58-year-old dentist was forced to retire after his first heart attack. But now it was happening all over again. Only this time, for several minutes, his heart stopped beating completely. After the surgeon revived him, he tells Philip and his family that it's only a matter of time. Only a matter of time. A year later, Dr. Blyberg agrees to allow another surgeon to operate. And after this second surgery, this physician walks into the recovery room where Dr. Blyberg is recovering. And in his hand, he carries a plastic box. The box contains Philip Blyberg's old heart. The doctor says, Dr. Blyberg, you realize you are the first man to be able to sit where you are now and look at his own dead heart. The reason why is because Dr. Christian Bernard had successfully completed the second heart transplant in human history. Can you even imagine what that would be like? What would it be like to be on the verge of death, to be so sick they tell you that it's only a matter of time, and then to suddenly have a new lease on life? To know you are alive because somebody else died and gave you this gift. Some people would call that a medical miracle. And I don't think that would be a bad thing to call it that. But this morning, I want to talk to you about an even bigger miracle. It's a different kind of surgery, and it's not done to your body. It's done in your soul. And it's not done by a doctor. It's done by your creator. It's a miracle that can happen to you this morning. And it's a miracle that's promised in the verses here in Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 27. Would you stand with me, please? Let us honor our God and his word, his precious word. Let's begin reading this promise found in Ezekiel 26, excuse me, 36, 26, where it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. You will keep, excuse me, you will keep my judgments and do them. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are still in the business of doing miracles. Not exactly the same kind of miracles at least not as often as 
we read about in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But the miracle that I want to talk about this morning is bigger than any miracle that you ever performed anywhere else. To change the human heart, to give us a new heart, is just beyond what we could ever imagine. And I pray this morning, Lord, there's some of us that need a new heart. And there are some of us, Lord, whose hearts have grown cold, hearts have grown hard, and we need you to do some surgery on us as well. Lord, whatever our need is, I know that you can provide it by your spirit, by your power, and according to your word. And that's what we believe you will do, and thank you in advance as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Someone once said that the heart of every human problem, the heart of every human problem is a problem of the heart. Now that may not be true about your physical heart, but it is true about the heart that can't be seen by human eyes. The message of the prophet Ezekiel here is addressed to the heart. Israel has been unfaithful to God. They have worshipped idols. They have uh, oppressed the poor. All these problems, you could trace them back to their source. It's their heart. Before the exile, Ezekiel says you can expect to go into ex. You can expect God's judgment because of how corrupted your heart is. But Ezekiel also preaches after the exile, and he says God still holds out hope that God can still give you a new heart, not just a new land, not just forgiveness but a new heart. And this snippet from one of Ezekiel's sermons reveals to us not just how they received it, but how we can receive it. To begin with, these verses tell us that at some point, everybody needs a new heart. At some point, everybody needs a new heart. Maybe you've seen the sign beside the road. It's kind of a plain sign. Burgundy has white letters on it, and it says... Uh, Every year, thousands of men will die from stubbornness. Anybody here ever seen those signs? Seen a few of them? Okay. It says every year, thousands of men will die from stubbornness. It's put out by some government health agency. And underneath one of those signs, somebody has spray painted another message. It says every year, thousands of men will die from stubbornness. Somebody spray painted underneath it. No, we won't. I think they call it denial. And everybody has a struggle with denial to some degree, especially when it comes to your health, sometimes when it comes to your heart. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to talk about it. We kind of hope that if we don't think about it or talk about it, it'll go away. Well, God gives it to us straight here. Verse 26, he says, I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh. Now, what is a heart of stone? Heart of stone is a hard heart. A hard heart is a stubborn heart. A heart that refuses to listen. A heart that will not accept rebuke or correction. A heart that's willing to go to hell rather than admit that you're wrong. A heart of stone is not only a hard heart, it's a cold heart. Cold heart is a heart without warmth. A cold heart builds walls to protect it from being hurt. 
guards itself not just from hurt, but from all feeling. Heart of stone is a cold heart. Heart of stone is a dead heart. You know, a sculptor can chisel an amazing likeness of a human heart. And it can look so lifelike, but no matter how lifelike it appears, there's no life in it. Your heart can become so hard and so cold that it dies. It can happen to all of us. It happens every time you refuse to admit you're wrong. Sometimes when you're wrong, you don't know it. That's one thing. But what's really bad is when you're wrong and you know it, but you refuse to admit it. You remember what I told you? Sometimes I get into that rut. When I'm right, I'm right. And when I'm wrong, I'm right. We get to that point where we think that's the way it is. One of the main reasons marriages fall apart is because hearts become like stone. When you have a hard heart, it's the reason why you don't repent. When God deals with you, God convicts you. Happens every time you refuse to admit you're wrong. It happens every time you fortify that wall around your heart. Instead of loving someone, truly loving them, you keep your distance. There's a wall there. Instead of weeping, you stifle the tears. Instead of having compassion on someone who's hurting or in need, you walk on the other side of the road. A cold heart is the reason you never let anybody get too close to you. Not even God. That's why you have no desire for anything spiritual. It's why the Spirit speaks and you don't respond. It's why you have no desire to follow Jesus. Because you have a cold, hard heart. Heart of stone is a dead heart. I recently read that 45% of people who have a heart attack don't even know it. 45, that's almost half the people. It could be that they don't recognize the symptoms, but it could be that they're in denial. How can anybody have a heart attack and not know it? How can anybody have a heart of stone and not know it? Same reasons. You may not recognize the symptoms, but more likely you're in denial. At some point, you have to come to realize that everybody needs a new heart. At some point, you have to admit not that everybody else is hard-hearted and stubborn, but I am. At some point, you have to let down your defenses and take a chance. At some point, you have to confess before you can live again. It's only when you get to that point that you take the next step. Only then are you ready to believe that God will give you a new heart. Charlie Brown comic strip Linus is examining the sidewalk the day before his sister Lucy had fallen, she was roller skating, fallen, scraped her knees. And he's kind of philosophizing about this sidewalk. He said, this sidewalk has an amazing record. It's been here 20 years. During that time, countless little girls have fallen on their knees while roller skating. What a record. The sidewalk always wins. The knees always lose. Why does the sidewalk always win? Why does the knees, why do the knees always lose? It's because your flesh is fragile. It's fragile. 
Not like stone. Stone may stand for centuries, but flesh, it's weak. Flesh dies, decays, disappears. The heart that you have inside of your body will not last, but the heart that you cannot see will outlast everything else on this earth. That's why God offers you a transplant. Verse, verse 26, he says, I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Now, what's a heart of flesh? A heart of flesh is a soft heart. It's a flexible heart. It's a heart that's willing to listen, a heart that's willing to accept correction or rebuke. A, a soft heart's always willing to confess its wrongs. A heart of flesh is a warm heart. Heart of flesh is not afraid to hurt. It's not afraid to feel. It's not afraid to be vulnerable. Its arms are wide open to the weak to help the hurting, to weep with the grieving. Heart of flesh is a living heart. Sculptor may chisel out a beautiful likeness of a heart, but only God can create a living heart. It is not always safe to have a heart of flesh. You can expect a lot more than scraped knees. will humble you when you're not right. It will make you susceptible to, faint, to pain. But here's the thing. A soft heart's the only heart that's alive. Heart of flesh is the only heart that's alive. C.S. Lewis once said, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give it to no one. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable. To love is to be vulnerable. Only a heart of flesh has room for love. Only a heart of flesh has room for God. Heart of flesh is a living heart. Now, the, the most amazing thing here is that God doesn't say, look, I'll, uh, I'll do this transplant. It'll cost you so much. Uh, you work hard enough, and I'll give you this heart transplant. You notice what it says? It says, I will give you a heart of flesh. Not as a reward, but as a gift, a gift of his grace. He says, I will take out that heart of stone and I will give you a heart that is warm, a heart that is soft, a heart that is living. I will give it to you. And when he gives it to you, something else happens. With a new heart comes a new life. Imagine for a moment what it would be like to sleep, go to sleep with a dying, diseased heart, wake up with a new one. What kind of things would change? Might make you more grateful, grateful to the surgeon, grateful to the one that donated the heart, grateful to God. Might humble you, make you appreciate more the blessings of life. But when you lose your heart of stone, when God gives you a heart of flesh, Everything changes. Everything changes. John MacArthur says salvation is not a matter of improvement, 
or perfection of what has previously existed. It is a total transformation. A new mind, a new will, a new heart, a new life. Everything changes. And everything begins with your relationship with God. Look in verse 27. He says, I will put my spirit within you. God says, listen, I'm not going to just give you a new heart. I'm going to give my spirit to live within you. This is the promise of Jesus in John 14, verse 16 and 17. He says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit, God himself living inside of you, molding your heart, illuminating your mind. Because he lives in you, it will change how you live. The last part of verse 27, he says, I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. When God's spirit lives within you, you obey him. You obey his word. And you don't do it just because, oh, well, I got to do it if I want to go to heaven. You do it because you love him. You do it from where? From your heart. With a new heart comes a new life. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is the life you were meant to live. The life God created you to live. Always in his presence. Never alone. Always empowered by his spirit. Always living to please him. To obey him. To experience his best blessings. Because a new heart changes everything. Sunday school teacher asked a little girl in her class, do you think you have a new heart, sweetheart? She says, yes, I know I do. He says, well, how do you know for sure? She says, because I love the things I used to hate, and I hate what I used to love. In other words, a complete change. That's what a new heart's about. Somebody once said, we need more than a new start. We need a new heart. But God says, I'm going to give you both. I'll give you a new start, but I'm going to put my spirit in you. I'm going to give you a new heart that is soft, willing to be humbled, a heart that's alive. How do you receive that heart? There's only one way. Pastor tells the story of a woman in Tampa who was diagnosed with severe cardiomyopathy. It's a rare heart disorder caused the muscles of the heart to become unflexible like a stone. Her only hope, of course, is a heart transplant. She suffers for five months, gets progressively weaker every day. Progressively, every day, she's less able to do anything for herself. And finally, at 2 a.m. on a cold morning, she gets the phone call. And they tell her that her new heart is on the way. By 4 a.m., she's in surgery. By 10 a.m. the next morning, she's out of surgery and in the ICU. Her pastor comes to visit her a couple of days later, and they're chatting about this new heart that she has. And this is what she says to him. I want you to listen very carefully. She says, Preacher, this is the second time 
This is the second time that somebody has died for me. The first someone, the first time someone died to give her more than a physical heart. He died to take away her heart of stone and give her a heart of flesh. And he's done the same for you. He gives his life so that you can have a new heart. Now, some people say, well, I just want Jesus to die so I don't have to go to hell. That's not why he died. That's part of the reason, that part of the result. But he didn't just die to give you a get-out-of-hell-free card. He died to change your life. He died to give you a new heart and a new life. His body is broken so you can be made whole. His heart is broken so you can be healed. He gives his life so you can have a new life. I wonder if you may be here this morning and you realize that you need a new heart. Your heart has grown old, hard, and stubborn. Your heart is cold and unfeeling. Your heart is dying and maybe even dead. Jesus says, I can give you a new heart, a heart that's humble, a heart full of love, a heart full of new life that will last forever. The last book of the Bible, Jesus speaks and says, Behold, I make all things new. That's what we need. That's what we need. New year brings a new calendar, brings new challenges. It brings you a new opportunity to receive a new heart. Don't you need that this morning? Don't you need to come to Jesus and let him give you a new heart? Would you bow your heads with me?